0: We're on episode four of Zoomcast, welcome everybody, I'm Matt Grimmer and today we've gone to the absolute top, we've gone to the very best in the business, I'm excited to have him, uh, I'm surprised we've got him to be honest and uh, it, must be, uh, it must be lockdown only, we've got Marcus Kiminello from Marshall White with us, g'day
1: Marcus. G'day Matty, how are you? Good, thank you, how are you? Oh, no complaints, no complaints, I have to ask, how, how are you handling the fame? Since this Zoomcast has been going viral um, globally,
0: I haven't had any fame. I, I tip that this might uh, this might attract a few viewers and followers <laughs> afterwards uh, with your notoriety. But uh, we appreciate uh, having you on. Good on you.
1: Pleasure, pleasure.
0: <laughs> we um, we're having a, a good uh, a good back uh, chat prior to uh, prior to hitting record on this little call. I, I thought we'd start by um, talking a little bit about your your journey. In the industry, this is going to be a very informal, this isn't Panos or AREC or MREC. This is as, uh, as chilled out as you like and you're on the couch in uh, one of five or six living rooms that you've got in your house. So <laughs> I, uh,
1: the cleanest one, the cleanest one. Yeah. Uh,
0: I thought we'd start with your uh, with your backstory in, in getting into the industry. Some people know the story. There's a lot of people
1: that don't, yep. um,
0: yeah. but I, I thought we'd start there.
1: Oh, I think the, the only way into real estate is, is the unconventional way. Yeah. I think that's the, the way most of us have got into it. We've fallen into it. I think we got out of high school or got out of or growing up as a kid, walking around, dressing up in a suit, saying, When I grow up, I want to be a real estate agent. You sort of just, you know, you, you end up there in some way, shape, or form for, for, for good or bad reasons. Oh, look, I came from a building background. Yeah. I left school at a, at a very young age. Uh, and it wasn't though I wasn't competent at school, um, I was actually pretty good at school. But I found the opportunity to, um, to do an apprenticeship. I was working concurrently. I was, uh, as soon as I could get a job, I got a job. A legal age of, I think back then it was 14 years and nine months you had to be to get a job. So I went straight into the workforce straight away, got a job at Hungry Jacks, worked there part-time like most of my classmates did, yeah. uh, and wanted more hours and more hours. I just wanted to work, work basically there every day because I loved money coming in. It was great. Kitchen
0: or front of house?
1: Oh mate, you have to progress to front of house. Um, so, I started in the kitchen, just flipping burgers, fries, all that sort of stuff. And it was good. You know, systems and structures and everything you learn from those industries are, you know, they're just they're, they're life lessons. And um, then I was actually helping a friend out to go, he wanted to go up to um, get the unemployment benefit. He was unemployed, he'd left school. I went up to, and I can't remember what it was, like Centrelink type setup. Um, yeah. And they used to have a job board and, you know, up in these little, you know, little placards with, um, you know, someone to write a little note, stick it up. And I had a look, I was like, Building apprenticeship available, you know, has to be hardworking, has to be fit, all that sort of thing. I'm like, yep, I'll take that and I'll call them. I said, come around and see us tomorrow. Anyway, so I turned up, the guy who was the builder forgot about it and his wife interviewed me. And we had a chat, they lived in Hawthorne, all good. They rang me the next day and said, Yep, you got the job. And I was like, shit, I haven't even left school yet. I was still at school. Um better tell my parents. And I've got, you know, I've got an ethnic father and an Australian mother. Yes. And um, dad was like, oh, good, good. Get an apprenticeship and do all this and go and work and earn and all that sort of stuff. My mum's like, no way. I don't have my dead body leaving school. You're the only one that's going to get a degree. You're going well. You've just started VC." And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm to my dad. So I uh, so I took the apprenticeship and I did went there. So building was my my sort of entry into um, into the sort of the building sector, development sector. A lot of learnings from that. And I continued to work part time. So I was still at Hungry Jacks doing that of a night on the weekends, and then worked full time um, doing my building apprenticeship and playing football and all those sort of things. So wow. I've always had a uh, um, busy. Uh, sort of those formative busy and just you know put a lot of hours into my day. And then um, like I. I, I look, meandered through different industries between finishing my apprenticeship and different business opportunities. Till then, I got to a point when I was about 22, 23, I thought that I wanted to return back to schooling. Don't know why. And so I applied to go back to university, even though I didn't even finish or even literally start VCE as a mature age student. And I got into Swinburne, studying banking and finance. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I did um, started that for the first year and thought, Jesus Christ, what have I got myself into? <laughs> and um, I was just getting back in the routine. Like, university just got in the way of the gym and footy <laughs> and, uh, and earning money. And so then I. Well, uh, no, three, uh, three favorite things. Three favorite things. And then so I ultimately, my football club at the time, uh, I had the opportunity of, um, because they were, I can't remember, like, we'd get paid for playing. And then um, so the ATO cracked down and I then, the, the president at the time said, look, I'm a financial planner, come and work for me on the books and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, you can still do your studies. I thought, great. Anyway, um, long story short, there, there was an opportunity, there wasn't really a job, but he had to try to create one for me. He said, I want you to try and sell some apartments off the plan down in Port Melbourne. And I'm like, yeah, why not? I know how to read a plan. I'll give it a try. So I did. And he had a team of of three or four guys and within three months, I was absolutely dominating. I was the go-to guy in the office to to sell these off the plan apartments. Were you selling the Mervac
0: stuff in, um, in Portland? Well,
1: rest point, rest point. I think it was called. Okay. Um, yeah, I can't remember exactly the, the, the detail and, um, I was braining it. I'm thinking, how good is this? But this guy was a financial planner. So he was selling things at loaded prices and all those sort of things. So I, I, I've on this, this, this thing was, was not going to last purely because of integrity. And right. I applied for a job uh, out of the paper as, you know, as you did back then yep. to, oh, sorry, to attend a careers night at Colin Sims real estate. Oh. So I went there, it was down in queue. At that point in time, I thought, I want to get into real estate. I love this. And, um, I went down there, there was 200 people in attendance. We got the, uh, think we had a a talk by Bruce Bell, who was um, obviously CEO of Colin Sims at the time, and James Tosteva. Both got up, talked about real estate, etc. I thought, I want to get into this. I'm as good as those guys. I can know what I can do. Anyway, so I went through the process of applying, job application, all that sort of stuff. And they whittled it down. It was almost like a tennis tournament. You know, you go down to the the, uh, the, the round of 16, and then the eight, and the four, and the two. And it got down to the two of us, me and another guy. And the other guy got the job. So I got the disappointing call. I thought, oh, well, there you go. I'll stick to, I'll stick to my building. And then about a week later, I got a call saying he didn't turn up. He decided at the last minute on the day he was supposed to start that he was going to move to London with his girlfriend. Right. So I'm forever indebted to that guy. I don't know who he was, right. but I'm forever indebted. It was like the Stephen Bradbury of real estate. <laughs> this guy went over. I came through. I yeah. got the job. And I vividly remember my first day Colin Sims sitting there stuffing envelopes for the entire day for my then boss, so I was her PA and thought, this is not as glamorous as I thought. Yeah. Um, so that was my entry into real estate, mate. And then um, after sort of 18 months, I was there, I worked, the old, then ultimately worked for James Tossovan, And then 18 months later, James and I sort of um, uh, parted with Colin Sims, joined Marshall White. And that was in April, April Fool's Day, actually, 2004. And there you been there ever since.
0: Unbelievable! Yeah, I flipped. Fl- yeah. uh, I flipped some burgers as well uh, at McDonald's in Altona North, uh, which is a safe neighbourhood, let me tell you. And um, uh, then, as you said, progressed to uh, working the checkout. So you've got to start flipping burgers yeah. first, and then uh, and then get to the front. What True. Was, um, You talked about your ethnic dad and, and your Australian mum, and it's funny. I've, I've got the same sort of setup. Dad was born in Malta, and. Mum was born here, but has got a an Egyptian uh, uh, mum and dad, so it's a, a nice little mix. what yep. What were your What were your mum and dad like uh, when when you were growing up? Were they strict? Were they hard on you?
1: Uh, I'd like to say yeah, they were, but they. I was a really defiant kid, and uh, so as much as they tried, I either 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 defiantly walked away from the situation, or talked my way out of the situation. Which is, 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 once again, it was a really good grounding for the industry that we're in at the moment. Yeah. So, but look, they're, they're, look, I, I was, I, I had to grow up very early. I'm not. This is not to, to put my parents down. Um, they they struggled through life, financially, emotionally, um, and, and a lot of things that they did. Um, I was, as uh, which is quite a funny story, as a nine-year-old and a ten-year-old um, going out there. We we, our house had been basically repossessed by the bank. Uh, and my parents would sit and wait, and I, I was the one picking up the newspaper, ringing the real estate agents, asking, was this house available for us to come and inspect on a rental perspective? They would drive me up to the real estate agent. I'd walk in. These people, these receptions would be laughing and saying, are you for real? I'm like, yeah, here's our $50, because you have to give them $50, and they give you the key. And if it was a vacant tenancy, then you'd go and inspect it yourself. So you'd left the $50 as a bond, and they'd give you the key to the house. And you're, you're and nine years old. I'm nine years old, wow. nine, years, nine years old. Um, and so I'd look I'd say, like you look, Well, you think, think back then it was, that was normal to me, but then you look back in comparison to what perhaps your other friends went through and the stability they had in life. Um, and once again, great life lessons and I, you're always looking for the silver lining where, whether it's currently in the current environment we're in or what you've been through in life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. We, um, as I said, we're having a chat before, before we jumped on. Um, lockdown itself, what have you been up to both uh, personally and professionally? How, how have you handled uh, this particular time, which is uh, obviously a weird one, a strange one for everybody in Melbourne, and Victoria? Um, how have things uh, gone for you personally and professionally?
1: Um, good, if I can summarise it, good. Yeah. It's been, look, I think it's been a forced sabbatical for, for, for many, many people, in particular obviously in Victoria. Yeah. Um, and it's been, it's been an opportunity to, to stop and reassess and perhaps, you know, work on things that you've always put to the side, uh, whether it's personal time with your family, personal time with yourself, you know, fitness, frame of mind, um, those sorts of things. So um, I, look, I just started the process um, with the mindset that I wanted to be better coming out the other side of the six weeks, not letting the six weeks be to my detriment. Um, and that meant still having a level of, of structure to my day. And that meant I had to commit to certain activities every single day and it's fitness, you know, and that's, that's my, my world revolves around looking after me first before anyone else yep. as selfish as it sounds, but it's the right thing to do. Cause then yep. you, then you, you give your best version of you to everyone else. Um, and then, you know, embarking on homeschooling, like homeschooling, Will be the cause of alcohol alcoholism in Victoria because when you've <laughs> got like've you know, yeah. <laughs> got when you've got a seven year old and a nine year old that you know it's a novelty that's dad's home and you're trying to manage some homeschooling, you're trying to you know teach them you know fractions and one spelling and then you're trying to do some work and all those sorts of things and it does it it's actually really taxing i've look, I've enjoyed it i couldn't do it long term um, wow. without a shadow of, i'd take my hat off to to you know the mothers that had to do homeschooling with multiple kids during. Stage one, yeah. or the first lockdown, because it's, it's really challenging. But once again, I've said, not worried about what we could do or couldn't do, it's what we can do and do it really well. Um, so it's been a really, oh, like, I've really enjoyed it. I'm sort of somewhat going, geez, we're only two weeks away before we're going to go back to that different frenetic business that we're, we're used to. I'm uh, actually really enjoying this. So uh, yeah. once again, look, some people will take it in their stride, some people will absolutely blossom out of this, and some people will go backwards.
0: Yeah, how have the kids uh, reacted or responded to the fact that dad's around, uh, perhaps a lot more than than what he normally is? So they are they been excited by it,
1: oh, mate. Yeah, absolutely, been very excited by it. Yeah. you know today we had. I had WrestleMania with one of them in in the uh, in the cage trampoline. That was quite good. I've got a lot of bruises on my back from all those kidney all those kidney punches. Yeah. Um, then I had to fix up my son. So I gave my son a haircut because he cut all his fringe down the middle yesterday. So that was that was. I'm trying. I'm trying some different skills. Um, sitting there working on a digestive project for my daughter for one of her pro, for school projects. So they, mate, they've 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 enjoyed it. And I said it's a novelty. It's a novelty uh, to, to be home all the time.
0: Well, our man uh, Matt Pilios is on Instagram uh, hourly, and he's got Duke and Stella doing more rounds with the with the boxing gloves and the mitts than um, what Sly Stallone did in uh, in Rocky. It was unbelievable.
1: It's quite good. It's a great discipline. It really is. And yeah. I think you know, for them, it's we've we've got the same sort of setup here, but I haven't uh, socially posted anywhere. And the kids love it. They absolutely love it.
0: Got it. Got it. Speaking of Stallone, uh, he's here, by the way. And uh, yeah. Uh, he's. I've put him here for a reason We. Um, I tagged you in one of his posts yesterday and uh, it's the greatest like of all time for me <laughs> Sly or so, his, far,
1: uh, so far, so well, far so far.
0: His PR team or a social media content creator have accidentally <laughs> probably hit like to uh, me commenting to yeah. you that uh, Rocky 4s is doing a, a director's cut, uh, so that was exciting for
1: us. It was very exciting I think it's because you included the, an Italian name in the like. Might have been it was always in your life. From one Italian stallion to the other. Correct, mate. <laughs> mate, anything
0: uh, that you've done or, or learnt during this, this lockdown period that you're likely to incorporate or take with you post lockdown? I, I know that sounds like a um, mm. uh, sort of a long or, or a loaded question, and it's not. But uh, I know for me personally, um, the connection or the reconnecting with people that, uh, for whatever reason, busy or, or otherwise, you yep. haven't got in contact with it is nice to reach out to some people and say good day and yeah. um, check in on, yeah. on, on people. Are you
1: finding that yep. in, down your end? Uh, uh, absolutely, mate, agreed. And I think it, it's one thing that we, we're going to make sure that we don't just fall back into old habits really yeah. quickly. It, it, it's similar to that, that you know, six weeks is very similar time frame to what we normally take off over that Christmas year period. And you do, you reconnect with people, you've got time to do this, you've got time to do that, and you go, oh, I'm going to keep doing this once I go back to work. And you drop them off really quickly, like resolutions, um, and mate, there, there are many of those I've incorporated. But I, I genuinely think that what I do and the lessons I've learned, I haven't really changed much since pre-lockdown to today in terms of structures, um, disciplines every day that I do, you know, time time with the family is probably the one that I go, I need to try and do that more often or get more involved in my, life, my kids' lives. How do I do that? And if that was one takeaway, because um, I'm loving it. And 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 seeing like but not only for the first two weeks of lockdown, was homeschooling was shit house. Like we had no fucking idea what we we're doing. Um, and but you know what? We, we didn't agonise by going. We have to try and do it. We have to try and do it. We struggled through it. But you know what? The kids were learning so much just by osmosis by being around us. And we I think we want just more of that. You know, just being connected with your kids and having not just being with your kids, but actually being with your kids. Not having your phone next to you while it's ringing and you're responding to someone's SMS. You know, what, just sitting there and really connecting with them and you can see the, what the enjoyment they're getting out of it too. So if it was anything, nothing, nothing too earth shattering, but very important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really well said. Really well said. You know, one, one of the things that I've seen a lot of stuff on, on social media um, that keeps popping up, people are sharing holiday sl- snaps and, you know, I was in Europe three years ago or I was here two years ago or whatever, and they're reminiscing yeah. and, and, uh, you know, probably taking a bit more out of that than what they would have at the time due to the fact that we we can't physically move and, and travel at the moment. Yeah. You and I, uh, uh, Hawaii is a place that we both like. We've both been yeah. to uh, a couple of times and you're front end of the plane stretching out and i am sort of got my luggage on my lap uh, <laughs> down in economy. Uh, uh, yep. But, but uh, we've got a couple of good stories to share. I, I yeah, we,
1: yeah, we do.
0: Well, so... Uh, we were at uh, Kuryong Tennis Club for a, I reckon it was a fire up or a some form yep. of a, of a yearly kickoff event with Marshall White, yep. and I was sharing a story about my experience uh, with you, which is is batshit crazy. But before I get to me, yep. talk me through yours. There's uh, there's the kids, the mother in law, Hawaii. Uh, go from
1: there. Yeah. What happened? So uh, yeah, our mother-in-law, or my mother-in-law, I should say, travels with us quite frequently. She's a good, you know, she's any, uh, she's actually a relatively expensive babysitter, but <laughs> it's someone we trust. So it's good, particularly when you've got young kids. And I think back then there were probably two and four, around that sort of age, or three and five. So both mobile, and okay. we're staying at um, we're staying at the Trump International. Bad yep. name, great hotel, yeah. and uh, <laughs> we're up on the probably the you know the thirtieth floor. We got home one, late one night because she goes to bed really early, so looks after the kids. And uh, we had been out to dinner with um, the, the Wheelers, actually. Yeah, right. The Wheelers were there, staying there too. Good. So we've been out, and um, we came back. We came back at that night, and I think there was a there was a a, a letter under the door from um, from the hotel services. But Shelly's mum had picked it up from the front door, went and put it on the kitchen bench, and didn't read it. Anyway, and I won't disclose what was on there. We read it when we got when we got back, and you know we probably had a few drinks under about. And go, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool, um, and went to bed. And it wasn't late. It was probably about eleven, twelve. Anyway, I um, we are awoken the next morning, blissfully asleep. You know, my mother-in-law's got up and looked after the kids, and it's not late. It's probably you know seven thirty, quarter to eight in the morning. From this explosion. Then this blood-curdling scream from my mother-in-law as she's standing on the balcony. Anyway, we went bolt upright out of bed, ran towards the living room, because we didn't know where the sound was coming from. It was a huge, it's a huge hotel suite. Run in the living room. Then all we see is my mother-in-law cannot see the kids at this stage, looking over the, the edge of the balcony, screaming for her life and crying. And you would expect what our assumption was and we ran out in that terrace. And my, I, I, like, it just felt like at the time you're going to continue. You're going to keep running just straight off that balcony. Yeah. Assuming that the kids had gone over or something, or something you know horrific had happened. And I ran out there and it's a big terrace. As I run out, I catch the corner of my eye, my two kids in the corner of the balcony, just there against the wall, looking at me thinking, what the hell is going on with that? Anyhow. So, She's just, my my mother was shaking and crying and she's like, they killed the people, they killed the people. And I'm like, what is going on? Anyway, um, there's this car on fire out in the street and there are cameramen, there are crew, there are people everywhere and the whole street's cordoned off. So what it was, so Hawaii Five-0 was filming. <laughs> and... That note that she picked up from the door that stated, guys, there's going to be explosions, there's going to be this, there's going to be that, was all listed in front of her. But she just didn't elect to read it and just put it on the She'd been out there all morning thinking thinking there was this hostage situation out the front of the hotel. She thought it was amazing. Anyway, because they end up blowing up this car with, you know, people in it. And um, and that's what she was. She was inconsolable because she was, oh, mate, I was... I think I went and popped a Valium straight after that because <laughs> yes, I thought, you know, that was it. I, like my, my children were gone, or one yeah. of my children gone over the side. It was the most horrific feeling of my life. So we saw the lighter side of it that night once we were, you know, uh, probably six cocktails under. Yeah. But mate, that was that was a horrific experience. But look, at least mine was a, a, a happy one uh, in the end. Yours was a little bit different.
0: You um. Uh, when I told my story to you, and you told your story back to me, it made me feel somewhat better. But it's um, uh, incredible. Uh, so I'd been on a bucks in Hong Kong, um, and it was a, a very low key, uh, not much to see here type event. And I <laughs> yeah. felt I felt guilty that I'd been on this bucks, and Danielle had been uh, had been left uh, behind. So uh, I decided to uh, meet her in Hawaii, and I said I will go and have a have a week or ten days in in Hawaii. This is January, 2018. And uh, uh, my sister had gone the year before with her husband and they'd gone to, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, Kuaola Ranch, which is where yep. uh, Jurassic Parks filmed and Kong and, and some of these big movies and you know, incredible scenery yep. and, and what have you. So uh, they'd bought us a ticket to go to this ranch uh, for, a, for a daily tour. So we were quite excited about that. We jump on a, on a mini bus at about 7 a.m. where they're doing the, the hotel pickup and we quickly realise that the, the vast majority of passengers on this bus are Japanese tourists. So we've got yeah. myself, Danielle, a couple of other people and, and as I said, 80% of people are Japanese tourists on this bus and we're heading to Kuala Ranch from Waikiki, which is about anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour to get there. We've got a young American uh, tour guide for us and then there's a Japanese tour guide for the others as well. And we're about 40 minutes into this trip and um, I can start to see some angst surrounding the two, the two tour guides and the bus driver. And I was sort of 7am we've been picked up and we've had a few drinks the night before. So I'm sort of out of it hazy. I'm certainly not checking my phone. I'm only checking my phone if I'm connected to wifi. If I don't have a wifi spot near me, I've put the phone in the bag and I'm just, you know, detaching from, the craziness that is our world. So um, we start to approach the ranch. So we're about 45, 50 minutes into the trip. And I can see the commotion between the Japanese tour guide and the American tour guide and the bus driver. They seem quite nervous. And on the radio that was playing just uh, in the speakers on the bus, you could sort of hear snippets of, you know, intent or there was a little bit of drama going on, but you didn't really Mm. know that it was anything associated so we're pulling into the ranch now and uh, we, we pull to the very front of the ranch in this big coach bus and we're supposed to get off at the front of the ranch obviously to go and enjoy our day and the ranch owner or the person involved with the ranch directs the bus driver to keep keep moving quickly and keep heading off, off track, if you like. And I'm thinking, where the hell are we going? And this bus... <laughs> takes off like you wouldn't believe we're we're driving through branches and off road and it's movie style. And I'm I'm looking at Danielle going, I reckon there's a gunman on the loose or something like a terrorist attack or something at the ranch. Like it looked, um, that scary. That's what I was thinking.
1: Or you bought the express tickets.
0: That's yeah. Thank you. It's my sister who absolutely hooked us up, but uh, not on this day. So, we, we drive off. We're off road. We are not, this is not conventional stuff. We are hitting branches and trees and we're slicing through and I think, what the fuck is going on? So we eventually pull up um, and we are instructed by Japanese tour guide and American tour guide to get off the bus and do it quickly. And I'm thinking, what is going on? So we grab our bags, we get off the bus. I look at the American tour guide and I say, mate, what's, what's going on? Says, yo man, just keep moving. It's a bad day. I'm like, all right. Step off the bus. I've got the bus driver there. I said, mate, what's what's happening? Just go, man. Just go. Keep moving. Keep moving. I'm like, what is happening? We are eventually taken into, and I shit you not, a World War II bunker. So these these bunkers still exist at this ranch. Uh, they were they were genuinely used during the Second World War. They're still there to this yeah. day, and we are put into this bunker. Me, Danielle and about 35 other people off this bus and several others that have rocked up this day. We still do not know what is happening. We've got no idea.
1: Is that the, is that the bunker system where they've actually got some props in there from movies all set up?
0: Well done. It's exactly right. So it's Yeah, I know you are. Yeah, no, right. yeah built in the mountain. Yep. Yeah, it's in the side of the mountain. It's part of the yeah. tour. So there's yep. Kong and Jurassic Park and Jurassic World yep. and all this memorabilia. So it's when I say bunker, it's not, you know... We're not under, but we're yeah. we're in.
1: Yeah.
0: So we go in, and we, we all get shoved in like cattle. And I'm looking around, and there is genuine panic going on, like nothing I've ever seen before. Uh, workers from the ranch are carting in water, like uh, slabs of water, food supplies. I'm borderline starting to freak out. So I turn <laughs> to, I start to see some people with some badges, ranch badges on, and I say to them, Tima. Um, I turned to one of the girls and I said, "Hey, what's what's going on?" Hmm. And this girl looks me dead in the eye and she says, "A ballistic missile from Hong Kong, uh, from Hong Kong. A ballistic missile from North Korea is on the way, and we've got ten minutes to live." <laughs> oh shit! And I said, "When, when, when you say ballistic, uh, what, like what are you talking? What the? What are you talking about?" And I turned that, to Danielle. <laughs> Danielle starts uh, bawling, And yeah. uh, uh, the, so the girl who tells us this message with the mm. ranch badge on, then I swear to God, goes and walks into the corner of the room, crouches down and starts bawling her eyes out like no one I've ever seen uncontrollably. 10 minutes to live is what what they're saying. So, and I yep. said, oh, you know, uh, I thought there was some peace talks going on at the time. And this girl says, oh, I think Trump's well and truly pissed them off and, you know, we're, uh, we're in some strife, basically. Right. You got te- ten
1: you've, got ten mi- you've got 10 minutes to live and, and, and you're talking politics.
0: I'm, I, I don't know what I'm talking. I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, my first thought, obviously, was to uh, give Danielle a hug and uh, say we're, we'll be all right. Uh, yep. we're, if we're ever going to be anywhere, the best place we could possibly be is a bunker. Yep. Yeah. So I'm just trying to rationalise. You know, we we lose listings a lot, so maybe maybe the um, you know, you're able to bounce back from a loss really quick. I don't know, but I I was I was fearing for my life. She was clearly fearing for her life. So a couple of minutes go past, and they obviously feel like an eternity. And then we start to hear some whispers around the back of the bunker that there might be some good news coming. That it might have been a a hoax, or it might have been a mistake, and. I'm borderline cross claustrophobic. So I hear this announcement that says you can stay in the bunker if you want, or you can start to come out. We believe it to be a hoax. I'm getting out of there. So I start to move, yeah. move, move. And I've got Danielle by the hand. I'm dragging with me. And we get to the top and I'm waiting to hear that it's a hoax, but I don't want it to be, you know, Johnny Smith seven at, at hotmail. I want CNN. I want the real stuff yeah, to tell yeah. me
1: yeah.
0: this is fake. Uh, this, this ain't real. Um, and then quickly, word spread that uh, somebody had pushed the wrong button from a text message perspective, and the, whole, the entire Hawaii uh, had been sent a, a message suggesting that a, a ballistic missile was on the way. So uh, we we're pretty—that is, is pretty a
1: horrific, horrific experience. And yeah. mate, I I know your version of events might be far different from the reality of you being down your hands and knees in tears, but <laughs> it sounds like you handled it exceptionally well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 there's a part of me, Chimba, that, that can't believe how well I handled it. And I think it was just pure disbelief. Like, we'll be okay, or it won't hit us, or, you know, yeah. we're in a bunker. or I, I don't know, but an unbelievable story. And uh, I know you and I had a bit of fun uh, swapping stories uh, afterwards. But
1: We did, um, we did. And we can't wait to get back there.
0: Well, I'll be, so after the event, we then go out and have the greatest day of all time. We're on four wheelers. We're we're riding uh, through the ranch. We're on a beautiful boat. We're getting served brunch, and you wouldn't have even known it had happened. But um, right.
1: you got a second chance of life that day.
0: Second chance of life, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> what a few drinks that night. No, no. Let me tell you. Um, tell me, are you a are you a Scotch guy? Are you a cigar guy? Are you a book guy? Like, what do you do? For, for yourself apart from the gym we know you're jacked yep. we get it you're, you're very fit is there anything yep. you do uh, shows <laughs> tv podcasts books
1: uh, Ooh, that, that uh you know, yeah okay you have um probably leading on to the fitness from the fitness basis um there's a few podcasts that i religiously uh, listen to i love joe rogan i yep. think he's really good because he goes off in different spectrums and there's a, there's a raft of different people that he interviews um, he's sort of like a, an older version of yourself, mate. So <laughs> I see where this Zoomcast is going. Yeah. Spotify will come knocking. Um, <laughs> We're on then... Spotify
0: and Joe got on there for the first time today. Did he really? Yeah, I actually Did got an go? alert before you and I started here saying that Rogan's yep. new on Spotify it's uh, he, come with millions and millions of dollars, which is the only difference. Yes. You know?
1: Correct, correct. Um, that Look, I, I do – you don't have when – you're, when you're running at speed, i put it that way, when you've got everything, uh, when you've got family, when you've got fitness, when you've got um, work and everything running at speed, which it normally does for the majority of the year, you don't have too many gaps in between. You know? and you've got to forcefully take those gaps and have those times to recharge or just you know, draw breath. Um, as we've discussed previously, mate, there's a few shows that I love, like Ray Donovan as a television program or a series – phenomenal phenomenal i wish the thing would never end i'm at the end now it's unfortunate and hopefully there is another season coming i know you're not too far behind well
0: you got me into it so i walk in yep. your office and i see uh, rocky on one frame and i see yep. a character i've never seen before i didn't really recognize before uh, yep. being razor ray donovan on the other and yeah i, I said who's this guy and he said made oh, mate it's an unbelievable tv show you've got to watch it uh, I've never been more hooked on a TV series in my life than,
1: than this. It's been phenomenal. It, it does get you. It does get you. Yeah. Um, look, mate, outside of that, yeah, I am a book guy. I actually do enjoy reading. Um, and when the time prevails, um, but I would still probably knock out, you know, eight to 10 books a year. Um, and I'd, I'd love to do double, triple that. would love to, you know, I'd love to be able to you know, knock off a book a week, but I do. I think, you know, once again, you feed mind, feed body, look, look after your body, look after your mind. And I think, Books are the greatest things. I'm not a big audio book person. I've tried audio books, but I drift off in my own thoughts. And you do when you read anyway. Uh, but I think there's nothing better than sitting there with a tangible, something you can touch and feel and read through and flick through rather than something that's, you know, it's time efficient, but it doesn't work. I don't think it, it actually sort of absorbs in yeah, like it, like a book does. But they're, they're sort of my, my somewhat pastimes. I've shared with you recently that, you know, fireballs, you know, it does sound like I'm coming out of a, I'm you know, living in a frat house, but I love a fireball, like fireball whiskey. I oh, yep. love it at the moment, but you know what? That'll change. I'm usually a red wine guy. Got it. Um, but look, and not once again, not in excess. Uh, you know, I'm not there to, to, to drink, you know, half a bottle of uh, whiskey a night or a bottle of red or anything like that. Um, it's just for pure enjoyment and pure relaxation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Well done. On the, uh... I was a tangible book guy, but because of lockdown and, and going on a walk or getting out for that hour, I've actually enjoyed yeah. putting the headphones in and listening to a few audio books or podcasts, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one, I don't know if you've seen it or not on Netflix at the moment. It's mm-hmm. Kevin Hart's um, Kevin Hart, the comedian actor, unbelievable yeah. guy, six part series. It's called don't fuck this up. And oh yeah, I have. I have. No,
1: I've have you seen that? that? Yeah, I have.
0: I have. I I finished it today, blown away by it. Unbelievable. That's when he comes to Australia. Comes to Australia, gets the gig to say he's going to host the Oscars Oscars. and then all of the stuff from a decade ago about some some homophobic tweets and some things that he said that he was incredibly regretful of at the time obviously uh, came to light. And as a result of that, uh, he pulled out of hosting the Oscars. But it goes back to his his beginning he, he talks about his dad who was on drugs and uh and his mum's uh, strong stance on on both that marriage and parenting him and his brother and uh i loved it if anybody's looking for something to watch it's a little bit different a little bit unique but um tells a really yes. good story yeah kevin hart's uh, don't mess this up is uh, is very good
1: and I think it is another like it's it's not another sort of you know cliche sort of rags to riches story because you know he did he had a really tough upbringing yeah uh, and toward the end look look at the amount of comedians that get out there and become you know phenomenally successful let alone a little bit successful um, they, you know they are few and far between and he's one who absolutely broke through and you know it is he's a worldwide success he's a he's a household name doesn't matter where you go in the world yeah um, but while we're while we're talking podcasts tell us a little bit about the new acquisition in your studio Do you, uh,
0: you don't mean Bell your microphone
1: oh. a <laughs> microphone
0: come on i have I, always look i've wanted you on this from from the start but i wasn't going to go the tinny uh, airpods so <laughs> we've just uh, raised the uh, the golden mic yeah yeah
1: yeah that is a, that's quite impressive mate quite impressive uh,
0: uh, I am I'm net uh, sorry, I'm negative uh, about hundred and twenty bucks on the podcast thus far. So will,
1: will you start using that in the office to make phone calls like <laughs> yeah. talking to that microphone? Sure. Just to I, just to put yourself in a you know in that frame of mind.
0: I don't make phone calls. This is what I do. This is the, uh, oh, yeah, the, true.
1: This, is the, the this is this is the new chapter. <laughs>
0: That's it. That's it. Um we can touch on real estate for a second. I have got two yeah. questions left for you, and I, I genuinely appreciate your time. I know you're a very, very busy guy and you've got a family to get back to from a real estate perspective we're we're two weeks out of lockdown, basically, yep. we think mm-hmm. until we get on yep. form of normality. And that might mean yep. back to a stage three type approach with private one-on-one inspections, properties to be back on realestate.com domain, marshallwhite.com, marcuscamelo.com, et cetera. Yep. Um, what are you predicting? And you're a guy that's in the know and you've got a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, a lot of intel that that others may not be uh, be fortunate enough to get. What are yep. you predicting for the end of twenty twenty from a real estate perspective? and Do mm-hmm. you have any advice for for any agents, any buyers, or any sellers out in the marketplace? Uh,
1: yeah, I've got plenty. Whether they'll listen is another question. <laughs> um, my, my, my view is that we have we have had a completely or we haven't had an uninterrupted selling season since last spring, since spring two thousand and nineteen. Yep. So it has been this stop, start, getting used to restrictions, not getting used to restrictions. What's COVID effect going to do? How's it going to affect the economy? How's it going to affect us uh, on a health perspective? It's been, it's been a, a year of unknowns. And it's going to finish, I think, still in, in that theme. It's going to be a year of unknowns. But for our areas that we operate in, in real estate, I expect that there is going to be this, 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 this rubber band slingshot effect once we uh, resume some level of normality or easing of restrictions, where we can actually meet people and we can transact real estate in the way we're supposed to, which is face to face. So look, I expect, you know, I'm hoping and expecting, but preparing also that it may not have happened, that we will be, come Sunday, there will be a roadmap that they'll say the following week on a real estate industry, you can go to stage three again. And we can start taking you know, people through one-on-one inspections, meeting with you know, families in their house, what we were doing, you know, eight weeks ago. When that occurs, I think that roadmap happens next week will be in from Monday onwards will be an exceptionally busy week in pre-work, you know, the preparation locking things in for the following next couple of weeks. But I, what I say to people in terms of agents don't necessarily rush to be the first, because I think the first not necessarily going to be the beneficiaries of it because, People, if there is a level of normality is, is is a blanket approach across metropolitan Melbourne, we're just coming out of a six-week lockdown. People are going to resume and try to get some rhythm or level of normality back in their lives first and foremost, perhaps before they work, work towards, hey, let's go buy a new house or let's Good sell a house. Good point. So I, I would say, look, yeah, get all your pre-work done, but don't necessarily have to launch. You might relaunch some some campaigns, but relaunch them with maybe an extended conclusion rather than a shorter conclusion. Because I think that first week, you might think that everyone's going to come running back to real estate where I think they're going to be very distracted. So they'll be getting their lives back to normal, you know, getting back to some level of routine, and all those sorts of things, trying to do things that they haven't been able to do for six weeks. Then that following week, which I think is the, the, the week commencing the uh, 20th, I think things will start to, um, 21st I should say, then things will start to unlock and people will start returning to normal. And I think we're going to have an exceptionally busy 10 to 12 week period, provided there aren't any other restrictions or restraints that do occur during that time or, you know, unforeseen circumstances. I think we're going to be really busy. I think if we looked at the start of 2020 and we said, this is the amount of buyers in the market and these are the, the amount of sellers in the market. I would have thought there was about a hundred sellers to every hundred buyers. It felt really, really just equal and balanced. I would say coming out the other side of this at the moment. Now that a hundred hundred is probably, we've got 28 sellers, 30 buyers. And I think there's marginally more buyers in the market than there will be sellers for this last sprint. For the balance of the year so i think that the scales will tip just favorably for the seller on a transactional perspective but not necessarily there's not going to be an upward pressure on pricing there will be the anomaly every now and then go geez we didn't expect that price only because there was that pent-up demand and it will be simple economics will come into play supply and demand which will see some results perhaps get you know a better result than expected but i think most things that go to market that are sensibly priced will sell and transact in a reasonable time frame what 2021 holds is like every and, and any other year when you're trying to predict the following year, there's a lot of time to pass. There's a lot of transactions to pass between now and then anything can happen. Yeah. Anything can happen.
0: Yeah. So uh, have, I know that the, the caliber of real estate that you handle, and I'm not sure you're this, it is the best real estate in the best suburbs in Melbourne and, and you're, you're phenomenal at what you do and you've done it for a long time. Have you been doing, private one-on-one style buyer appointments for, for, for the majority of your career for a portion of your career is that normal at your price point in terms yeah. of what you do
1: yeah i think we'll probably as a team and as as people myself uh, nicole uh brooksy we'll prepare like we're already being conditioned to it because that is the way we normally operate and we'll have a you know, probably a 70, 30 approach, 70% is, is, is privately. And it's one-on-one and it's one thing I've always encouraged either myself to do or my team members to do in, in my whole journey of real estate, that the power of a one-on-one inspection with a, with a good buyer, not a timeline. So with a qualified buyer, the amount of rapport you can build with that person. And also the, um, I think the reflection from your selling your selling client goes they're doing a lot in terms of extra lead work. They're not just doing open for inspections. Um, so I've always been a big advocate of private inspections and encouraging and working to other people's timetables to an extent. Um, so we were conditioned, we were prepared for it. So when this first occurred way back in uh, March, April, um, we are ready for it. Like this yes. is what we did normally. So nothing really changed. And we had two thumping months, April, May, um, purely because we knew what to do. We didn't have to really change much. We maybe changed a few of our ads and those sorts of things, um, but nothing else changed. So it was business as usual for us. So we didn't have that clunkiness. Um, so it is, and, and moving forward, it's exactly the same. Like we don't hold a raft of open for inspections in the weekend. We'll hold quite a few, but the most of our selling is, is it gets done Monday to Friday.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and moving moving out of this period, I think much the same. You'll be holding one-on-one, Private buyer appointments where you can build a, a certain level of rapport, or or give some better intel, or service, or or uh, information, if you like, to uh, to buyers that you work with in the market. Correct,
1: correct. Well, look, we work, and I, I've always done this. I, I work in the now more than I work in the you know than the past or the future. Yeah, um, with people that are transacting immediately, because if you're in that realm of people, that there's going to be a lot of business there. It's like throwing your line in a pond that's full of fish. Or, you know, putting in these other ones that aren't as many fish, but eventually they'll bite. Um, That's why I do operate more in the now than I do with, you know, past purchases or, you know, or having a pipeline of sellers. I've got that, but the now is the most important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Um, Well done. Uh, I had a, (laughs) it's going to sound very funny. So there's a a viewer question that's come in. So I didn't tell many people that you were coming on because we like the element of surprise with this little, Zoomcast, cast but there's a good friend of mine who's an agent uh in the western suburbs his name's sean gretch and he works for lj hooker out yep. in point cook and sean asked yep. me to ask you if there was one moment in your career one sale one client one opportunity that uh you feel most propelled you and your career as to what it is today and, and i appreciate that i'm putting you on the spot but is there yep. is there a moment in time or um uh, a specific deal that, that happened that, uh, that sort of started the client?
1: Uh, Sean, that moment, and it certainly wasn't when I was framing houses when Point Cook was first being established. <laughs> and I remember know where being. I made. Point Cook uh, is. Uh, uh, mate, I used to drive there every day and did I did you? a lot of house. Oh, yeah, I did, I did, I did Point Cook, I did Sundry, I did a heap of work in St. Albans, Ebbing, Thomastown, Laylaw. Um, all through go- the go- all through the golden suburbs of metropolitan metropolitan <laughs> Melbourne, but I do remember having to insulate a uh, uh, inside a ceiling of a house of a new how home that the builder forgot in point Cook uh, I was doing some contract work out there and that was um on, on a warm day tell you what yeah you, you appreciate working in an office and you know and going around and showing nice houses from rather than doing that but yeah, uh, Sean, sure, the defining moment for me was, um, without a shadow of a doubt, was one particular listing and then sale that then um, had, a, had a knock-on effect for a very prominent Melbourne family um, that sold for just shy of $20 million. I, I walked into that listing opportunity. They called me because I'd sold for their parents an apartment. That's think you've always got to remember. Any opportunity can create a better opportunity. So uh, a little door can open a big door. And I, um, it was an unsuccessful campaign with another agent that had on the market near on a year. uh, And I I came in and I was still up against the other, the big boys and I put it in the marketplace. So I was the, I was the, I was the long shot. And I went in there and I was, I was sweating bullets. Like this was, I felt like I didn't belong, but going in there, but I thought I have like, this is, I'm not going to get many opportunities to, you know, you don't actually get many opportunities to present your credentials. And once I got that opportunity and I went in and we talk about going in together, going in teams, doing this, I went in solo. Right. I went in solo and I came out on top. I got the opportunity, took it to market, sold it within three weeks. We sold just shy of $20 million and made the papers. That made me at that point in time because I, I will always, and I still do today, I will capitalize on every opportunity I get and then that followed on to another family member's house that was just over 24 that set a Melbourne, Melbourne metropolitan record. And then people started to say, hang on a minute, these other agencies are putting these big homes on the market, sitting there for a year and not doing anything. This guy has had the one that's been on the year that sold in, you know, basically sold in 21 days. The other one that we put on the market, we had on the market for 17 days and sold it for a Victorian metropolitan record. Then that gave then other doors opened. They're like, okay, we better speak to this guy. And it sort of got to that point, where they're like, we have to find out what this guy's doing, at least speak to him. Once I got in the door, look out, I was not going to lose the listing. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's been that way ever since. And, and that's why now I've built a brand to be you know recognized when you've got a great piece of real estate in my core areas, um, putting aside a lifelong friendship that may preclude you from actually getting the business, um, I'm always on the shopping list. Yeah. So, and that, and that, and that just came back to a really. A pivot point. When you know, we talk about sliding doors, I had that opportunity. Uh, I took it. I, I, I then fulfilled what I needed to do, and then ran on the coattails of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good story, Marcus. A lot of people suggest that, um, it believe it or not, it's easier to get to the top than it is to stay at the top. And there are a lot yeah. of a lot of agents uh, in Melbourne. Some of them work with us. Some of them work against us that are that are bloody hungry they want to get there quickly they look at the yeah. the chiminellos and the tostavans of the world and say you know what yeah. that's that's the mantle i'm shooting for is that part of your your current motivation is that what keeps you uh, driven and, and determined to do what you do day in
1: day out my competition
0: yeah your, your level of yeah. competition and, and and pride in what you do obviously you've got you know your, your wife yeah. and, your, and your two lovely kids that yeah um inspire you but does that, does that
1: play on the mind at all? It does. It, it really does. And there's some great agents out in their marketplace and yours, you know, there are, there always, there is always several people waiting to take your place, not just one person. You know It's like holding you, know, you and I big fight fans. It's like having a yeah. title. You've got the belt. Okay. How many people want a shot of the belt? Uh, and so they are like, you are always scrutinized based on your outcomes uh, by those that want your position. So it, look, it does play in your mind and every now and then it does, it gets to you, but then you've got to then put back into, all right, the frame of mind, I've got to put the blinkers back on. I've, if I just do what I know what I need to do and execute it well and not become complacent, I've got nothing to worry about. They can talk, they can you know tell stories, they can do whatever they'd like, but provided I'm doing, staying honest with myself, maintaining integrity with my clients and just, you know, and outworking those, I've got nothing to worry about. So I think that you got to alleviate those fears in your own mind. Otherwise, you know what you'll be you'll be looking behind your shoulder all the time, thinking, "Jesus Christ, someone's you know someone's going to either try and knock me off from this listing, or they'll be peppering this vendor when I've got them on the market." Yeah, all that happens. Like we are getting bullets put in us every single day, but they're not killing us. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'll leave you with one last one. If you if you had one piece of advice to give to a newer agents, younger agents, more inexperienced agents that are getting into the industry. During a very tough time economically at the moment with COVID and the surrounds, uh, what piece of advice would you give uh, that group of people that uh, that are just getting
1: involved? Uh, don't believe what you see on social media. Number one, yep. because I think that has created a really distorted view on agents in the past few years. They see, you know, they see the the tip of the iceberg. They see the um, you know the orchestrated you know, I'm this successful in real estate and it's all bullshit. Yeah. So I would say, and don't let it get to you. And that's the problem. People will look at that, that idealistic lifestyle of a real estate agent and go, Oh, I'm a failure. I can't get there. You know what? Just unsubscribe. Stop following these people that actually make you feel bad. You know what I mean? Because it, it, it's bullshit. They're doing it because they've got exceptionally low self-esteem. Look after yourself look after yourself first and foremost, and just be true to so yourself, like work your ass off. And that is the only thing that you can really do is is be able, before you can choose what you want to be as a real estate agent, you've got to commit, like you've really got some input into it. And everyone goes, oh, you know, you, you, you do this and you do that. I said, but you know what? In next year, I think I'm going to be in it for 20 years. You know, it, it's it's a long time, you know? And that, that first 10 years was a really hard slog. And, you know, we've got a. Um, I think we've, we've got a really poor retention rate when it comes to you know, real estate, not as an agency, but as an industry yeah. that people will get out of real estate after you know two or three or four years. So that's like, oh, all too hard yeah. and expect it's all going to come back to you. So remain, I think disciplined and committed. They're the two things. If you're disciplined to what you do and commit to actually doing those disciplines over a long period of time, you will reap the benefits, but you can't expect this instant gratification of, doing something today, getting a result tomorrow, it has to be over a sustained period of time. And if you do that, if you go, you know, and it's not like, it's not bloody rocket science. You just said, like, all I need to do is build my database to 800 people or a thousand people, service them really well, get to know them really well, become an expert in my marketplace, an expert in my marketplace, not the generalist that shoots all around Melbourne, but the expert in my marketplace. At some point in time, that will turn and business will start coming back to you. Like you won't need to be chasing business. You've built a brand, you've built a reputation, you've built you know, an awareness in the market, people to start coming to you. So it's a it stay it, it is a long game. It is a long game, but stay really committed. Stay really disciplined to what you should be doing. And I think we know in our heart of hearts, what we should or shouldn't be doing on a daily basis. When we get up out of bed, when we go to the office and what we're doing, and just ask yourself that question all the time. Am I, am I actually doing what I should be doing? I'm just doing what I want to do. And then that will, if you just can do what you should be doing consistently over a long period of time, success is undeniable.
0: Yeah, well done. Well done. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. It really has. And uh, we, we've gone probably well over time for, for what we might have anticipated. But I think yeah. anybody uh, who, who uh, takes the time out to listen to this or watch this, I think is going to get... A great deal of information out of it. Where uh, where can people find you if they want to uh, if they want to sell a piece of real estate, buy a piece of real estate, or, or just uh, perhaps sit down for a coffee when uh, when uh, lockdown lifts and uh, and pick your brain a little bit? Where where's the best place to find you?
1: Oh mate, always via the phone on the mobile. Just, yep. Or just you know Google a name, get on Marshall White's website, give me a call, connect with me, email, SMS, whatever's easiest. Or go through which will be my certainly my. Uh, my manager one day, you, Grimmer, <laughs> you can you can you can feel the inquiries, and uh, we'll take it from there.
0: It'd be uh, it'd be an honour. Well done. Thanks for uh, thanks right. for popping on and uh, and giving us some of your time. I appreciate it. Pleasure, Matt. Thanks, Marcus.